General, we've checked everything out. I'm absolutely confident that nothing can go wrong. It's not brain science. It's rocket surgery. This is Frankenstein meets the Space Monster. The Incomparable, number 270, October 2015. Certified 100% Frankenstein free. Hey. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is uh, Jason Stone. We're back with the Incomparables Rocket Surgery, where we watch a bad movie from uh, a decade. We've we've uh, regressed to the '60s now. And, although, when you think about it, every movie is from a decade, but we've been picking different decades. That's how this works. Um, and uh, joining me to to watch this movie were David Lore. Hello. Hello there, uh, Glenn Fleischman. Hi. What? Oh yes. Hello, Monty Ashley. Hi there. Hello, and Steve Lutz. Hi, Jason. I was going to skip the recording session tonight, but then I was informed that this podcast was Code 24. Mm. <laughs> code 24. Code 24. So naturally, I had to be here. I, I, I agree with you. It's important. You don't just skip out on a Code 24 podcast. You, you don't. You if can't. you know what's good for you. Code 24 is the rule on the internet that there's uh, some kind of podcast for every subject. Code 24, I think, is code for bring at least five minutes of uh, military nope. stock footage. Nope. <laughs> you know what Code 24 is? Code 24 is, is a theory that suggests that on the internet, everything has met the space monster. That, oh, that's good. Thank you for taking my bad idea and turning it into a good one. <laughs> the, and also his boy, Elroy. <laughs> the, the, film, the film that we watched, and I don't know why, other than that oh. it was a great title, is 1965's Frankenstein Meets the Space Monster. And yes. I will point out, if your uh, Wikipedia page has two words for space monster, uh, please correct yourself. Because in the, in the credits, <laughs> it is very clearly one word, space Space monster. Space monster. Are you already a purist? A Frankenstein meets the space monster <laughs> hardcore fan? Mr. Space Monster. Oh, also, the name Frankenstein is a misnomer, but we'll get to that, I think. The doctor was named Frankenstein meets the space. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> there is no space in Space Monster. There's plenty of space. <laughs> this movie is crammed full well, of space. Good. The space monster ate the space and left. There is, yes, as Monty points out, this movie is like two-thirds space. Yeah. Yeah. They're walking and driving and walking and oh driving. Oh, my God. Okay, so um, uh, unless anybody has an opening statement about Frankenstein meets the space. I feel oh, like no. the, the, the decision to make this movie went somewhere along the lines of this. Mm -hmm. uh, gentlemen, I have a monster costume, uh, <laughs> yep. some, some bald caps, and a whole crap load of stock footage. Yes. Do you think that is enough reason to uh, to make uh, a film where we film a bunch of youngish girls running around in bikinis? Here, here. Well, I don't. But if you have an above ground pool that can be uh, uh, fitted out with some uh, cardboard to make it look like a spaceship, then we've got a deal. <laughs> I'm sorry. If there's no moped involved, this film cannot be made. If you cannot borrow a Vespa from a cousin of somebody who works in the production... No deal. If well, it's a scooter, we're in business. <laughs> Could we film in Puerto Rico, though? I've always wanted to go I've to Puerto Rico. I've always wanted to go to Puerto Rico, yeah. I actually was delighted to see them go to Puerto Rico, because traditionally cheap exploitation movies are shot in the Philippines. Ah. And this was a nice change from all of the other ones I've seen, mostly starring Sid Haig. Before we get there, we have to begin in space. <laughs> sort of. So, um, basically, Dracula and Cleopatra are in a spaceship. <laughs> a spaceship which looks either like a glowing ping pong ball or an out-of-focus golden snitch, depending on... Mm -hmm. 
Uh, kind of mood you're in. You're skipping at least 10 minutes of that radar dish right at the beginning <laughs> of the movie. The radar dish. So there, there, there is, as, we, as we've already said, throughout this movie, and we'll point to it again and again, a <laughs> massive amount of stock footage. Like, a, oh my God. I'm not kidding. Oh my God. I, they, they didn't just take, like, shots of rockets lifting off from, from Kennedy Space Center. Um, they, they, have, they have some jet footage that obviously came from some sort of milita- military stock footage. They've got a shot of the... Uh, a bunch of shots of Kennedy Space Center itself, which I assume is from like an industrial film of like a trip to Ca- Space Center. I made that note. It looked fake <laughs> to me. So I went and looked up a reference image and it was accurate. I thought, oh, it okay. is. I've, be- I've been through that gate. It's that's yep. the gate at Kennedy Space Center. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was the, no, it's been the weird little times. type in small letters on above the in the building mm-hmm. that looks mm-hmm. ridiculous, like someone hand lettered it and that's real. Yeah, but that's, it looks like it's the, all the, real. I mean, so throughout this film, anything you can think of that could be used with stock footage is, including the spaceship's own rockets, which are a very tightly cropped shot of an American rocket. But what's more impressive is that they give them a lot of room to breathe. But I really liked the stock footage. Like, yeah, it was great. The footage of the NASA transfer van? You never see stuff it's like that. I really enjoyed the opening, it. The opening shot, I thought it was actually a great montage. It was actually kind of beautiful. It started as like, well, Jason said this is one of these old great bad films he's wanted to talk about a long time. I'm like, this will be fun, whatever. And then I'm like, oh, this is actually like kind of arty in like not a bad way. It set a mood. Wow. It was interesting. That first few minutes, it was slow. Actually kind of beautiful was a phrase I was not expecting to hear on this podcast. I, I actually have the complete... The complete statistics on the uh, on the uh, stock footage usage in this film, which we can get to uh, towards the end of this podcast, because I don't want to spoil anything for our listeners. But suffice it to say that this movie <laughs> runs one hour, 16 minutes and eight seconds and roughly 15 minutes and 47 of that is stock footage. So that's uh, about a quarter of the film. Oh, that's less than I thought. If you can call it that. Well, some of it was shot for the movie. Like all that Vespa footage, and I think the driving footage was also that's true. Shot okay, for. maybe maybe I sh- more charitably can say that fifteen minutes and forty seven seconds is just people going from one place to another <laughs> yes. using some form of transportation over wholly inappropriate music. Right. She knew how to ride it. Okay, I have uh, a Vespa. We haven't even gotten to that's the scooter yet. We'll get to the scooter. <laughs> I have let, strong opinions let, on let the Vespa. Let me. I have two. But we have we got to Doctor Nader yet? Yes, John Lovitz appears. You mean effeminate Nosferatu? I, I see. I, I I'm going to disagree with the characterization of as John Lovitz. He is much more like Doctor Evil, but he is he definitely looks like a Dracula. And there's the Princess of Mars because we've discovered that they're from Mars, although they only refer to it as their planet. Um, and she, Princess of Mars, is dressed up sort of like uh, Cleopatra. Um, and they are in their spaceship, and he he is Doctor Doctor Nadir. And, what a great uh, name for a character in this movie! I, th- I think you mean <laughs> yeah, Doctor Assman. Mm. Yes, yeah, so Glenn. No, well, yeah. Yes, this you. Yes. You're this the one who found this. Is where we share trivia, we found yes. on the internet. Go yeah. ahead. Sort well, of because bloody. I know that it's impossible for anyone listening to this podcast to look up things on the internet. It's important for us to share. Them. I'll edit all but, of this. Out no, I had this the whole film. <laughs> I'm watching the guy. I hadn't looked up the cast, and I was like, "These must all be, you know, C and D movie actors, and they never did anything again." Which wasn't true. Not like, true. Why do I know this guy? Why do I know this guy? And yes, he is a famous Seinfeld single episode, like 10 second appearance, but memorable face. It yeah. also features James Karen, James who Karen, went on yes. to be Mr. Pathmark, the the face of Pathmark grocery stores for 20 years. Oh. Home. New York and New Jersey. Uh, to me, James Karen will always be the boss on Poltergeist, the defiler yeah. of Indian uh, burial grounds. Oh, that's right. so that great shot that's of him amazing. at the end as the house sort of folds in on itself and his face will forever be uh, burned into my memory from that. I want to quibble with the description of Dr. Nadir as a Dracula. He's yeah. clearly a Nosferatu. 
Okay. Yes. Sure. Yes. Sure. All right. You, I, I still, I'm so. still leaning John Lovett. Isn't, isn't a Nosferatu yeah. a kind of Dracula? Well, yeah, he's a, a Nosferatu is a ripoff Dracula that doesn't want to pay <laughs> okay. Bram Stoker any money. All right. Exactly. But it's it's the ears and the hairdo. Yeah. And she looks like Cleopatra. Yeah. Yes. Well, more sure. like an old uh, TV serial or a uh, movie serial uh, princess, like the whole yes. getup. Well, she uh, talk and she talks like um like the princess of the undersea city or un- underground city in that uh, oh, movie that oh, we re- the we Phantom riffed. Empire. Yeah, I, I, I saw that connection too. I, I'm still going John Lovitz for Nadir though. I, All right. It's, yeah, it's it's he, the voice. He blows the uh, he blows the rocket out of the sky. There's this little this little smirk on his face that is oh, just it's, yeah. it's just oh yeah 100 yeah. John Lovitz and it's also fantastic. Sort of sort of devil John Lovitz that John. Lovitz. Yeah, he, exactly. Okay, he's way better than anyone else in the movie. He's trying yes. facial yes. expressions, well beyond wonderful facial. Expressions. He's very entertaining. So they're 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 coming from Mars to the Earth. Um, they're hovering over the Earth at an indeterminate location that apparently is very close, so they can land very quickly. Well, they've been attracted by the gigantic radar dish that we saw in the first ten minutes. Yes, they the <laughs> they have received they have received radio signals, um, and then a missile is sent up by somebody, and they blow it up. Ma, they have launched a missile attack. It may be aimed at us. Isn't that a mission to another planet, not a missile attack? Well, that's what happens. We no, immediately... no, not this one. Oh. No, I think that's the same missile. I think we just cut back earlier yes. to see oh, this is, what the this origin of that missile was. Oh. Right. This is one of those uh, alias six hours earlier things. Right. I just assumed that caption. they blew up two things. And, and really, I think it was only there so we could see that smirk a second time because it was so great. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I love about the two of them, aside from all the transit scenes, is um, there are a lot of scenes of, of him and Cleopatra sharing looks and meaningful looks and <laughs> yes, more looks. Yes. And it's it's like long stretches of looking. Long later, stretches. later I've, I've got a note down. There is a wonderful scene later where um, where they they finish their dialogue and she kind of purses her lips yes, and then they yes, both look yes. at each other and it just stays one again like everything in this movie every shot in this movie goes on many seconds longer than it needs to but that that moment i thought was kind of hilarious that they're both like looking at each other and yeah, yeah we're I, evil yeah. i have notes yeah. from later in the movie that say who is Dr. Nadir talking to? And then who is he looking at? He's using audio. Why is he looking at the screen? It's yeah. Anyway, so they they blow up the 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 space probe or, or did they? And uh, cut to surf guitar is rocking. We're in NASA on Florida's swinging space coast <laughs> as a car with I, it looks like four people sitting across the back seat. Is, is it customary for military brass to ride around crammed four to a back seat in Florida? They got to get the camera in the front seat and with blinds covering the back window so you can't see where they are for the internal shots. Is it like Venetian blinds inside the car? Yes. Those <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? You've never been to Florida, have? Here's you? the line I like. The general says, "How you doing, Miss Grant?" My response is, "Well, besides being crammed behind two large men in a motel room on wheels, I'm fine." But she has no response to that. She just stares, like I'm not doing so good. She I'm... makes a strange expression. Yeah. We only hear the surf guitar in the external shots, yes. which are cut, <laughs> intercut with the internal. Yeah, show so well, that, this is one of the great things. Is then they have yes. their little moment, and then it's like. More, more guitar, and then they cut back, and there'll be like a line of dialogue that is punctuated by "Cut outside, there's more guitar." Yeah. But this is a case where the location footage is completely extraneous. 
Yeah. But I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, it's yeah. like yep. watching uh-huh. a movie yep. where there's a lot of shots of 1970s Times Square. Yeah, right? they're going like fun. through so. through Cocoa Beach and stuff like that. They're rolling up the road to get to to Kennedy Space Center, and I and you know I I've I've gone up that road. I'm like, yep, that's that's yeah. about right. The yeah. one that made me laugh out loud was the line of dialogue that was, "How much longer? Five minutes." Bow, 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 In bow. real time. <laughs> real time. <laughs> How much longer before we reach the space center, Sergeant? About five minutes, sir. Yeah, the best bit is you think it's going to be over when they get to the gate of the Space Center and they sort of slow down a little bit and then the car just keeps on rolling and we got at least another 30 seconds of we got surf more music. buildings to see at the Space Center and all that. But finally they get to the Space Center and the, and the, the guy who's playing the, the surf guitar has to take a break. So it's time for a hastily called press conference so realistic Ooh. that fo- they're they announcing that they're sending a man to Mars and a they call man. a press conference with four reporters that's the entire <laughs> coverage for the man to Mars the worst reporters in the world by the they way they are sitting in yeah, on folding <laughs> chairs at the back of the room it's basically like those scenes in the Martian it's essentially like that uh, except Totally not. No. And, and we meet Colonel Frank Saunders, who is our new our new Mars commander. He's been picked by a NASA computer, uh, they say, as a finest uh, as a, as the finest uh, person for us to send to Mars. Oh, oh, and good journalism. I love the journalism. Like, journalism. Now, wait a minute. I've never seen you before, and I've been covering NASA for a long time. Why would you say it's like that? Was you know? I'm shy. I guess I'm that- the shy type. And then he and then they freeze frame the the camera, and I think there's been a horrible <laughs> error in the film but <laughs> actually beautiful. and it zooms in on him but it turns out that he uh he has stopped moving and they clear <laughs> clear the room and then we get a really great uh NASA PR handling moment when the 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 marketing guy basically says Hey, drinks on me at the officers' lounge, and all the journalists are like, "Well, okay." That sounds. <laughs> the good. journalists don't mind the guy going completely catatonic. <laughs> two well, you, feet. They in front cut of back them. to the journalists, and the journalists are all down, looking down, taking notes. They don't notice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. I just I thought that was super beautifully creepy. Like it was an actually great creepy moment. However, his smile is definitely very creepy. It does yeah. add oh, to the moment. Yes. It's the frozen zoomed in smile. <laughs> but it turns out that they just take off like his hair, and he has like computer parts yes. in a brain so the answer is robot then for frankenstein uh, apparently <laughs> well he's more of a cyborg i think but they he's said no, he's, he's an astro robot they clearly say they later say in the movie he's an astro oh, robot. 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 So, he's, right. so, so he's a ro- robot so, or not so, is the the, question. so yeah the jury's out on whether he's a robot but definitely a robot a robot yeah robot. yeah but they, they they get him back they pull him back into the like doctor's room and and they say something about like they have problems with the humidity. It's like okay, you've got a ro- you've got a robot in, in Florida, Florida <laughs> and you decide we're gonna, he's safe to show to the press. Yeah, but he's got a problem with humidity. He can't make it through a five minute press conference, but he'll be fine, fine in outer space. space. No humidity in space. It's, it's okay. It's, it's a dry heat up there. Let's take a brief break from the space monster and tell you about the sponsor. Our sponsor this week is twenty three. And me, our first sponsor, I believe, and they're back. You know, your DNA is made up of 23 pairs of chromosomes. That is why the name of the product is 23 and me. It's a personalized genetic service that helps you understand what your DNA says about you. 23andMe is the first and only genetic service available directly to you that includes reports that meet FDA standards. With 23andMe, you get more than 60 personalized detailed reports on your health, your traits, 
and your ancestry. I got to find out, yes, indeed, Jason, you are as Northern European and British Isles as a person could possibly be. You got a little bit of Neanderthal in there from when your ancestors were hanging out in Southern Europe during the Ice Age. But after that, pretty much they were frolicking on the British Isles and uh, maybe in Germany a little bit too. And that's it, which I sort of suspected because I'm a very pale white person. But uh, it was confirmed genetically through 23andMe, and it was actually pretty cool to see that. And uh, I got to connect with some third and fourth cousins who were matched genetically. And then we looked at our family history and family names and were able to discover how we were related. Um, so I love the I love the genetic uh, t- uh, family relationship tool stuff, but uh, there are also tools that let you compare your genetic reports with your family and even your friends. You want to find out if you're a secret cousin of somebody, you could do it on 23andMe. Here's how it works. You order your DNA kit from 23andMe.com. You provide a saliva sample. You spit in a little tube. You mail it back to their CLIA certified lab, and you'll be notified when your reports are ready online. It's that simple. They just pop up on your uh, on your profile on 23andMe. It's all private by default. You can choose what to share and what not to share. Uh, they've, they've kept all all of the privacy concerns in mind, which I really appreciate. More than a million people around the world have experienced their genetics through 23andMe. So order your kit today from 23andMe.com. Thanks, 23andMe, for sponsoring The Incomparable again. Now let's return to the Space Monster! There's two things I like about the 1965 conception of robots. First of all, I'm not sure what the point of molding a plastic brain around all the resistors is, since it's covered by a scalp anyway, but it is kind of a good look. Yeah. <laughs> and and secondly, I like that their idea of robot repair basically consists of prodding at his capacitors mm-hmm. with a nail file. They like move him back and forth a couple of times. <laughs> they you know, short, try to short it out a little bit. He's all better. That's, yep. that's what you do in the typing pool. This is the point where I'll say, I'll say again, my, my notes are very clear here. He's technically not Frankenstein. He's Frankenstein's astronaut. Okay, just... He, he's Frank Saunders. <laughs> now, you're Stein. okay with calling Dr. Nadir Dracula. This guy's way closer to Frankenstein. <laughs> no, he doesn't have somebody else's brain. Later, he's much closer. I guess technically he's, he's Adam Steele's astronaut. And not a Frankenstein, but that's right. he is Frankenstein-like. He's Frankenstein-like. So I don't really get the point of putting Frankenstein in your title if you're not going to have Frankenstein. You get none of the benefits of having Frankenstein, but all of the legal hassles. <laughs> what legal <laughs> hassles? It's public domain, man. It's public Mary domain. Mary Wollstonecroft Shelley is famously litigious. <laughs> pretty, pretty much your whole benefit is the people who were too dumb to watch the trailer and go, wait, that's not Frankenstein. She could be shocked and back they bought to tickets. Life. They could have called him Colonel Frank Stein. Frank yeah, and Stein. That would have been close. That would have been mm. really serious. Anyway, uh, but but this this completely human like robot is able to be controlled by um uh like white TV clicker. It turns yeah. out apparently <laughs> while he's in space as well. Yeah, all all complexity of uh, human behavior can be controlled by a little white TV clicker. It's an Ansible. Apple is working on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, I like I like that, uh, and that leads to a very funny line later in the film that we will that we will get yes, to. Yes, yes. Uh, then then we enter a new montage of stock footage about astronauts taking off with launch video with a song that's sort of more Doors like, I guess. It's mm-hmm. a little more psychedelic yeah, than sure. your yeah. Beatles yeah. numbers that we're going to be, be that's getting. That's the way bit, it's got the to surface, be by the poets. Guitar. Now you skipped right past the NASA transfer van, which I think is the star <laughs> of the movie. All right, well, that's 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 very I agree. <laughs> I've never seen that before. They appear to have taken stock footage that nobody else used, which oh. is at least putting some effort into it. I agree. Well, they 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 left no stone unturned for stock <laughs> footage they could use in this movie. Well, it's 1965. It's entirely possible some random dude just has NASA transfer van 
painted on the side of his vehicle. That's possible. It's the ice cream man in uh, Cocoa Beach, Florida. It's just claiming. And it's great. As, as you drive along, it plays the Star Trek theme. It's awesome. Ooh. Also, I, I'm amused that they call this mission um, the Mayflower 2, <laughs> which, okay, it's just a, a robot going to Mars. I don't know why we call it the Mayflower 2. Well, the Pilgrims were robots. It's well and known. And astronauts, astronauts are watching avidly the launch on a, on a little TV set. Um, which doesn't seem quite like mission control to me. It seems it seems uh, kind of low. Oh, low tech. I had this funny idea that they might have snuck in and shot some footage in and around things. Some of it's stock footage, and some of it is they got in a stolen tour shots. Yeah, and managed. I don't know. Some parts of it, I'm like, I'm not sure how they arranged. Maybe. it. it's not a set. I think NASA cooperated with them somehow. Well, I think, think they so had really? a visitors pass because the car they showed driving around Florida seems to be part of the production. And yeah. you see that yeah. going through the gate to get into right. NASA itself, so... Well, they're going yeah. into Kennedy Space Center. That's not yeah. exactly difficult to get <laughs> well, into. Well, maybe they thought this would... NASA thought this would enhance the space program. It would be a big boost in the public relations department. Yeah. <laughs> You've got Frankenstein, you say. Well, <laughs> it, it could be someone related and to space somebody monster. in PR. Hmm. Not so sure on the space monster. We're, we're not entirely sold on no, that. No, well, Frankenstein beats the space if monster. If Frankenstein is in it, then, then it's okay. I trust that guy. They're not fighting. They're just meeting. It's fine. So the Martians are watching. Dr. Nadir is watching. And they decide to commence their attack um, on, uh, on uh, this, this launch. As the, as the rocket containing the robot goes up, Frank, the robot, um, one of my favorite lines of dialogue from this movie is said, which is, we did it, Adam. We proved that science and yes. the military can accomplish Together. the impossible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unfortunately, there's a malfunction in all systems. <laughs> Frank requests permission to abort, and I'm thinking, well, I mean, all systems are broken. I think you you pretty much need to come back home at that point. Well, all systems break because they've been attacked, right? I mean, it's yeah. not like thing just yeah. blows up. Dr. Nadir straight out freaks out. He thinks they're being attacked by a missile when it's just Aha! an innocent robot. It's, just it's a, a robot. missile attack. Yeah, so so the thing, there's a huge explosion on the screen of the Martians, but Frank is still radioing back to Earth, which I didn't exactly. really yeah. understand. Then we get the pulsating parachute scene where more stock footage of NASA capsules <laughs> deploying parachutes. Now, now I'm, I'm a little concerned. Uh, I mean, the issue here is that the, uh, the space aliens believe that they might have been seen, right? I mean, that's why they have to blow this thing up. So, yes, to keep a low profile, I would think blowing up the rocket would not be your first move. So uh, I'm not sure about their motivations. Well, they're, they're afraid. They're here. afraid that they've been spotted and they're being attacked. And then they realize then, well, the princess gets very angry, right? That that um, that they, this has been sold to her as a missile, but it was obviously a spaceship. And this could jeopardize everything, she says. Fortunately, her next uh, her next command is very clear. Find him and destroy. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Um. Uh, this is so they're going to land the ship on Earth, and I have I, I just want to point out when people like to make fun of how Star Trek has people flinging themselves around the ship to make it seem like the ship is shaking. Whenever they they say that it's really bad, I recommend that you bring them to YouTube where this film is available in its entirety and make them see the scene where the ship is landing, where it's literally like the director is saying to everybody, just quiver your arms and legs slightly vibrate in oh, place but the scene where dr nadir and the princess slowly sit up to show that the uh, gravity has returned to normal or whatever while the people in the background haven't moved at all man i like that scene yeah. <laughs> that's good stuff but this, this movie's all about realism mm -hmm. 
I mean, the, the, the clearly visible edge of the bald caps on the guys, that to me really screams space alien. <laughs> that's a, that's no human would wear his bald cap in such a ridiculous manner. That's a racial tree. You don't want to know what's on there. They, they cover their shame with their it's, bald it's caps. Like, it's like Worf said about the, the Klingons. It's like, you don't want to know. Yeah, we, don't we don't talk about we don't that. Speak of it. I, I like that they put the Cleopatra hat on the princess because they could never get a bald cap. She probably has a decent amount of hair under there. And there's yeah, and so she wasn't going to put on those ears every time. So. Right. Now you're a princess. Totally. Uh, they land. It's it's easy. And they come out of their little cardboard geodesic dome thing. And there's like a hunter there that they laser to death. <laughs> because he immediately shoots, shoots at, at them. them. Well, they're, 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 it's a it's Dracula Florida, man. and it's or Florida. a space alien. That's what you do in Florida. And they Florida. have a stand your ground against Earth, you know, aliens. Yep. Stand mm-hmm. your Earth ground laws. <laughs> yep. Stand your Earth. Stand your Terra. Oh, really. Stand your Earth. It's that simple. So you know, there's there's uh, Frank has also crashed at this point, of course, and they uh, they shoot their lasers at Frank to try and kill him too, because this is the whole reason they've landed is to is to get get our friend the and robot destroy Frank, and destroy him. Um, and he gets all burned, and side of his face gets melted, so he looks yes. super Frankenstein-y at this point. Oh, and the best part here is that as soon as he blows up, he turns his head to the right and and freezes in that position for about. Oh, 15 to 20 seconds, so we can see mm-hmm. the awesome makeup effects. Yep. <laughs> yeah, also, by the way, we're not in Florida anymore. They, they, it turns out they've landed in Puerto Rico, and there's a very nice palm tree, by the way, that's right next to where the, the spaceship landed. It's a good landmark for people. So um, let's see. They, they, uh, they can't implement their plans if detected. We've heard again about the Martian plans. Uh, there's a really nice bit of redundant dialogue where Nadir says, shall I initiate the preliminary pre-takeoff procedures? <laughs> and she says, proceed with the procedures. Okay. <laughs> well, That's you want to be do. careful. The preliminary pre-preliminary procedure procedures. And here's where we learn that uh, sort of the leader of the uh, the other aliens aboard the ship is um, uh, Smashing Pumpkins' Billy Corgan, which is a uh, uh, yeah. very early appearance yeah. by him. Yeah. My, my fa- another great line, <laughs> he's unconscious, but here's what he told us. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is where, they, the, where um, the princess really is chewing the scenery, and then they, they have that hilarious thing where they, look, they give each other a look. Which is pretty nice, but in order to punish the uh, the guy who has allowed Frank to get away, they say bring him to Mall, who is uh, as you do when you're flying a spaceship on an invasion <laughs> of another planet. You keep a monster with you in a cell. You never know when you're going to need him. Did they ever explain why they have a monster no. in a cell? Because no. it's in the movie title. I think that's the answer. <laughs> I, and, I, and when we saw him the first time, I went, "Oh, I wonder if that's the space monster." Spoiler alert, it is. I will say, though, that the, the it, we didn't talk about this, but the opening credits where we see the silhouette of the space monster in the background yes. are actually yeah. pretty good. Because oh, yeah. when you, when you the, can't see sure. the space monster costume up that closely, it, it actually looks pretty solid. I agree. The credit design, the font design, it's, it's actually quite lovely. And at the end, the end credits are nice. The titles were designed by Everett Shazam. Yep. <laughs> which is my favorite credit, I er, think, ever. Early oh, underground sorry, rapper. Sorry, uh-huh. Unfortunately, he now has to go by Everett Captain Marvel. There was a lawsuit. <laughs> Alas, the credits do not tell us, because he is uncredited, that the man in the monster suit is none other than Bruce Hellion Glover, father of Crispin. Wow. Really? So uh, there's your little bit of trivia for the night. 
Very nice. Uh, so my, my problem with my logic problem here is she sentenced this guy to death. Your logic problem here? <laughs> yes. Here. This, here specific this, very, this time code. I've been trying to figure out this whole thing when she gives us the exposition about, you know, the planet was uh, corrupted by uh, the nuclear war and then you repopulate it. And I'm like, I think there's six guys, right? Yeah. Or but- seven. And she kills one of them because he's incompetent, thinking this does not help you. But her issue is there's only one lady and it's her. That's why they have to get more ladies yeah. so she doesn't well, have Dr. De Niro all over her. We have won the war, but we have no women, says yes. the woman. Yes. They could, they, she could be oviparous. <laughs> it could be like an ant or something. Yeah. They need, more, they need more women. Apparently, and this is never explained, why humans <laughs> and Martians can, uh, can mate and that they know there are humans. They just need to go get them. That's weird because they didn't know there were humans at the beginning of the I, movie. I, yes. Yeah. Well, no, yep. they're, track- they're tracking the signal from the radar dish, and so they assume that intelligent life is on the planet, so they figure, well, it's probably mateable. I mean, if know. it's intelligent, I can mate with it. If yeah. it moves, yeah. 60-70% likelihood. That, That's basically uh, the definition of intelligence, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. <laughs> mateable. That's good. So Frank, in a, in, a, in a horror movie tradition, Frank finds two kids in a car. Um, yeah, the, the, the boy that gets out. Kinda old. Wait, that guy's kind of older than a kid, though. It's, oh, I don't know. It's a, it's Let's kids. be honest here. No. It's two They're kids. just very old kids. It's two just driving along. Two, yeah. And uh, and the the guy gets out, and I'm not quite sure what he does. Is he like it's trying like to give him? He presents him with something. With, a bo- with a, like a bowling ball or something. I don't really <laughs> I don't understand what it. What's that about? Here, it looks here, like a have bomb a weapon. or something. I'm not anyway, sure. Anyway, what... Frank strangles that yeah, guy. Yeah. And then the girl, which which but the girl the though, shows that screaming is effective because she just screams and screams and screams and doesn't move and just sits in the car. And Frank is finally like, basically, enough with the screaming, and he leaves. It's like, I, I can't deal with this. I'm sorry. It's weird that this astronaut robot immediately goes robot. on a killing spree. Robot. Excuse me. This robot. Uh, astronaut robot immediately goes on a killing spree. I assume yep. we're supposed to be rooting for him instead of the space monster, but the space monster didn't hurt anybody. Well, he's redeemed later, but he's right now he's been, the explosion has set him off. Yes, and all is explained in the exposition section of the movie. It is. They it's do mention later. that he can experience pain, which seems like a weird thing to design in. It really does. No, no, no. Pain is a good uh, corrective, so you don't do things that would endanger your body. Well, they didn't seem too bothered by it when they were jabbing his resistors <laughs> with a nail file earlier. It's just... Well, that doesn't hurt. That's all it's just, inside, inside it's just his brain. So our friend Dr. Steele at this point explains to his assistant, Steel, Karen, I can't believe you actually wrote down the names of the characters in this thing. Adam, isn't it Adam Steele? <laughs> Adam Steele. You wrote down the name of every actor. It's a shame that Joe Steele isn't here. Those are um, real people. He explains to Karen <laughs> that um, that if he got wounded, he would be a blank, an astro-robot with no knowledge. We get that very clearly here. And, and my note here is that Adam Steele seems about as convincing, uh, while he's reading all this dialogue, as the professor on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> But there, very, but there uh, is a yes. great line where, where where she says, what you're saying is he could turn into a Frankenstein. Dun, dun, dun. To which Adam Steele says, well, technically, I, it would be a Frankenstein's monster. And then she punches him. And no, I wish that <laughs> happened. But it, it doesn't. Instead, we cut back to Frank, who has found a, a, a nice man who's chopping things. In the, he's opening in, a coconut with a machete. Yeah, and he's <laughs> machete horribly macheted to death by the, the, Frank. The astro robot says that looks fun. And he proceeds to open the dude with a machete, which... Uh-huh. Well, like a coconut. Yeah. Which is exactly what Frankenstein would do, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, he's a Frankenstein. Yeah. 
We got a Dracula and a Frankenstein. Is what it, I'm saying. Is here. this where he lurches under the? Does he lurch under the beach next? Yes. Yeah, so we. So the exciting <laughs> beach scene. It's, <laughs> it's so windy. It's so windy. I'm like, I'm like visit Puerto Rico where the winds will tear your skin off it's, on the beach. It's funny. I had a similar. Uh, I also w- was workshopping some uh, marketing materials for Puerto Rico tourism. Glenn, mine says exciting Puerto Rico. A girl in a bikini sits uncomfortably in the water while a bored man yeah. reads a newspaper on the beach. <laughs> and, and this is an older gentleman. And and this and I've never seen I've never seen such this is my line was I've never seen a heterosexual man look with such disinterest at a woman in a bikini at a pretty a pretty blonde in a oh bikini also they don't speak because these are extras yeah. and they're yeah. not exactly. allowed to speak dialogue they have to pay them if they made them speak. it's been clear since one of the very first scenes that none of thing nothing is recorded on set like there's a guy yeah. right at the oh. beginning who says I'm hanging up they just walked in. Yeah. He, yes. Voice isn't anywhere close to his mouth. Yeah. But this lady in the water, it's like she posed where she thought it would look nice when the water waved over her, and then had to wait two hours for the tide to come in. Yep. She's nowhere near it. No. No. And when she screams, she screams with her uh, her face turned away from the camera. So this may be stock footage, actually. Stock footage of well, yeah, woman he, in a bikini. Yeah. Everybody's got some B-roll of like a guy in a goofy hat and a girl in a bikini getting blown up by space by, aliens. By space lasers. Yeah. <laughs> Just check your phone. You've probably got some. Oh yeah. This is this, this is this isn't Frank, is it? This is the. Oh, oh I'm this sorry. Is, the, right. is this Frank or the aliens? No, this is the aliens. Yeah. yeah. They la- they laser they laser the guy and they and they and they take the girl right. But um. But he never he sees aliens surround him and he never says a word because he contractually was not allowed to. It's he does approach weird. them in a very menacing fashion, though. Yeah. My, my reaction was, surely they could have found an even less populated place than this in order to help repopulate their planet. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's a super weird scene, especially since they don't speak, and it's really uncomfortable. And of all the... <laughs> this may be one of the least uh, uh, comfortable scenes ever featuring a blonde in a bikini on a beach. <laughs> It is not. Oh, it is distressing. Yes. It is really, really weird. Um, the, the scientists <laughs> come and find that it's bingo, fused it's glass at the beach from a laser of some mm. sort, and therefore it can't be Frank. A space uh, laser? A, if, yes. A splaser. Or a moon <laughs> laser. Because they found these matter. around Los Alamos at some point, apparently. Mm. Yes, we, we actually saw some last week. It's nuclear. It's really uh, cool. It's, it's called Trinitite, at n- least from there. Nuclear space lasers. Oh, yeah. We, uh, I forgot to point out that when the uh, princess is explaining in great detail to the crew the plans that they no doubt already know about, we, yes. we get our, uh, our cameo, our required 1960s cameo from Atomic War. Mm. So the space oh, yeah. aliens have left their planet because Atomic War has because devastated War. it. And these are, all, these are all that's left. Sad, bald cap wearing individuals and the princess. <laughs> Meanwhile, Frank is menacing women um, and we get some nice dialogue. Uh, where Karen says Frank has become so real, so real to me. I'm worried. To which Doctor Steele re- just simply replies, "Nobody's going to ruin ten years of my life's work." So, <laughs> is this where Frank hides behind a wall because there's a woman with a yes. broom? I'm not sure you can really call it menacing. Yes. There's a woman sweeping. He stands on a wall, and another woman approaches, and he runs away. Well, <laughs> yeah, he's great. thinking of killing her, maybe. Well, he's just mounting the wall. He, he's probably and, curious yeah. about. Then he he's runs, probably going to brain her away. with the broom. Actually, to be honest. But then he sees a second woman, and oh, I got to get out of here. Two two women. She's it. (laughs) This leads us to here. It is. Let's. We can talk about it. We have Beatlesque music that plays in a (laughs) samba style, 
as as uh, Fran, uh, no, as Karen and uh, and Adam ride their ride their scooter. Yes. And, and my note here is that it's weirdly romantic. This is the you know she she works for him, and now all of a sudden she's kind of hugging him, and and there's this you know romantic kind of Beatlesque music playing, which seems inappropriate for <laughs> when you're searching the streets of San Juan for a murderous Frankenstein. You know, love just blooms naturally on a Vespa. You know, it's, yeah. You yeah. ride them once, and suddenly I know. think that looks like a fun place to ride a Vespa along. This is it another does. place where. It has nothing to do with the movie, but I enjoy the sequence because that's a cool old Vespa. They look like they're having. They actually don't look like they're having fun at first. To heaven, to home. I think the song the is nice. That, the thing that got me is this scene fits perfectly in a Scooby Doo, and and it's yeah. not the first and it's not the last scene. There's the one where they're well, we'll get to it. I'll I'll point it out later. But yeah, it's it's just this sort of montage and this really nice little. Song. I would say this song has more of an of an Everly Brothers feel to it than a Beatles feel. Yeah. All right, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, Beatles ha- with covered a lot of. I was thinking, you know, the early, early uh, yeah, it's, Beatles. Yeah, like uh, Meet the Beatles era. Yeah. Well, the movie is from 1965, so it was probably shot very uh, close to Meet the Beatles. Yeah. I would like to criticize the Vespa riding yes, briefly. Yes, please. You're our oh, expert dear. here. Um, this guy has never ridden a Vespa before Are you about to say nobody should life. ever ride a Vespa? No, I have a Vespa, and I enjoy <laughs> it very much. But this guy... I would like to criticize Monty at this point. Get in line. The chair recognizes Steve Lutz. He's riding very slowly at first. And at least twice does like not seem movie. to does not seem to know it has a kickstand. At one point, he leans it, the whole Vespa against the nearest vertical object. He gets better at the Vespa later, but I am pretty sure they handed him the Vespa minutes before the scene started and said, "Ride this with her on it," and he is terrified. <laughs> <laughs> He does look a little nervous. They're not going very fast. Right. Yeah. Well, we have two minutes and ten seconds of the distant cousins to get through. Yeah. We can't and just then blast to, through San Juan. Yeah. It's only six then blocks then across. Ri- then he has to ride it on a rough road through puddles and stop suddenly, and he does not do great at that. <laughs> I just imagine that, they're, you know, um, many years later, they tell their kids, well, we fell in love in San Juan when the military flew us there on a jet because our Frankenstein crash-landed and was killing people. <laughs> yeah, they do look very relaxed considering they're riding off to save their robot from certain destruction. Yeah, they may have had some Cuba Libres before <laughs> continuing the. Uh, but the 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 um, mood is broken by lots of theremin music that immediately replaces <laughs> the distant cousins. <laughs> well, it suddenly becomes like an extended music video yeah. for some reason. Like we just transition neatly into that. It's 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 really weird. There's screams. Frank is there. He, uh... He's got that neat uh, cave layer that he keeps walking, kind of doing the Mike Myers elevator thing, walking down into and walking back <laughs> yeah. up. Out yep. Of. <laughs> yep. But he, uh, Adam warns warns Karen. Remember, he's a he's a robot, not a man. Yes. She she robot, apologizes for saying the wrong the, thing at that point. And then he and then he attaches alligator clips and starts poking the yeah, side of the so head. Yeah. So they find, they find him down in this cave and they're like poking around in his brain. Yeah. And, it, feel and pain, it looked disturbingly like he was plugging like earbuds into him. He's playing like, operation. Listen to this song. Basically. <clears throat> they do manage to calm him down a bit, though, as they, yes, they, as do, they brought they, his brain pain. They do. Your arms down. And arms he, down. he sends Karen to go get General Bowers off by herself. Mm-hmm. They completely an oddly awkward spit where she leaves. Just sort of scamper. Like, yep. They barely know each other. Or hey, are they in love? I, I don't know. I guess I'll leave then. 
yeah. just kind of walk out of this cave <laughs> cave and so she's she's off to get to, this to is find a job the general for men and robots and he's down there taking care of his robot meanwhile back at the palm tree the uh the the, <laughs> the martians have sent out their their army to get more women and this is the scene that i like to call a hard day's night meets the space monster oh yeah <laughs> yep yep then this is the one that that reminded me again of scooby-doo because it's like i expected them to get into a hallway where they were running back and forth between all sorts oh, of yeah. different doors right and it was that same yeah. kind of weird manic it's, thing it, going it's on. a bunch but but of course it's the it's Frankenstein meets the space monster so they don't have they have like a camera at the other end of the pool right the way the shot is framed there's a party We're at shooting the far across end. the diving board yeah across the diving board there are there are like four people in the pool and then there are a lot of people packed in a very small space between the back of the house well to be honest Jason I'm not certain there are people but there are a lot of butts on the other side yeah of the pool. No. <laughs> you're just assuming there's people right. attached to those butts. mostly yeah. all we can this, see is wiggling, be wiggling butt butts while while some more beatlesque music plays my notes and now close-ups of butts which yep. you know <laughs> and then like 20 exclamation points yeah, yeah. We, missed, wait, we missed an important scene the ogling of the woman in the bikini who had strangely no reaction oh, when the yeah. princess was evaluating her doesn't billy corgan come, really approves no, of the bikini oh no check. it's okay. earlier it's, it's she gets ogled by uh the, the yeah, they princess br- they, bring, her. they bring her in and she turns around yeah, and she's completely unconcerned that she's on this ship. She doesn't say anything. Well, that's because she doesn't say anything. Oh, she's she, not allowed, she's not allowed to, allowed to right. speak. Well, they could have yeah. had her scream while she was facing the other direction. Yeah. Did this movie really have such rigorous contracts that people <laughs> had to get paid more if they spoke? Well, I think, I don't know. I think that's like standard procedure, right? A speaking part pays more. You're an extra, basically. I'm not certain all these people knew they were in a film. Yeah, I I think they get paid extra if they're in a bikini. Or if they're terrible and they say don't speak. Or they were were shot on location in San Juan and didn't speak English. That's also possible. Oh, that's also possible. That's very good. They don't don't speak regardless. You're right. It it is a super creepy scene. Look, I mean, this is a movie from the mid-60s. There is is plenty of sexism throughout it. But I I will say the (laughs) plot of the martians basically (laughs) assaulting women and dragging them back to their spaceship kind of uncomfortable but it's it's matched by the scene where the princess basically tells the the blonde from the in the bikini to kind of twirl around and then like lift her arms up and then put them back down (laughs) she couldn't lift them up all the way she lifted them slightly (laughs) just part of the way (laughs) well it's a very small set glenn (laughs) yeah you don't want to push up the cardboard cardboard on the roof I appreciate how small that set is because for once you can actually imagine this being the inside of that exterior of the uh, the flying saucer. Yeah, sure. It is interesting that the princess has say on which of the uh, the bikini girls are are quality enough to stick around. Well, I mean, I think what's clear is Nadir um, approves of all of them. Well, yeah. And so she's like, no, 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 no. I got standards here. We, we can talk about it more during the, the uh, epic purification scene. <laughs> yes, which is com- coming up. But first, the pool party. And uh, I don't know why they laser the, the guy on the diving board to death. And <laughs> because he shook his butt one time too many. He's I standing on the so. diving board doing his butt shake thing. So he's he's lasered and explodes. And then all of the spacemen come in and, and fairly easily just take all the girls and walk away. Yeah, it seems like the sentiment from all of the guys at the party is, so you guys in space helmets are going to take off with all the women, huh? Well, okay then. All right. See ya. Well, and they're a long way away. They have to, like, march the women this great distance. There's a handful of them, and they march them in various states of dress and undress. (laughs) Maybe this movie was made by the San Juan Department of Tourism, and they want you to get the message, women are just here for the taken. Let's come visit our strangely leafed forests and our Bring your desolate roads. And our many swinging butt parties. Yeah. Just our, stop by and cold, pick up a lady. Our clearly cold, windy, barren, <laughs> abandoned beaches. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Electronic purification is next. They uh they uh <laughs> the they scene. use this to to check the purity of the women that they're that they're testing. Oh, I thought they were wait, wait, were they checking the purity or were they purifying them? This is an well, important difference. I think both. They were purifying. I thought no, they should, I think the princess is determining which ones are pure enough to stick around. So, oh. and maybe she, that she depends the which nod. way they go on the well, conveyor. In, in my head canon, it's both. If you don't, if, <laughs> if you're oh, not, man, you have a head canon for, for Frankenstein meets the space monster. Absolutely, just wait. You have to just to patch up the plot. So, so basically, yeah. if you're not pure enough, you are, I guess, choked off screen. <laughs> yeah. And if you are pure enough, if you are pure enough, they drape a fitted sheet over you and you slide down. Somewhere on an assembly. So, okay, line. I love I love this scene. I love this scene where Doctor Nadir looks at her and she shakes her head no, and then he looks at the soldiers and he shakes his head, and then he makes that bizarre cracking motion with his hand, like you're gonna <laughs> snap the neck. Well, that's why I assume yeah, they're choking them to death. Or would something. they not just give her give her to the space monster? Yeah, it's well, it's possible, but it's. I, there's not time for them to walk them. I don't know. Maybe it's not that big of a ship. I guess it's not that big of a ship. They could easily it's have walked really them to the space monster's cage. They seem to suddenly have a hundred women, and they're shipping off to some other part of the ship. It's very confusing. So, so Karen is also there, and they discover that she has the remote control that we saw before that controls Frank. This is a very advanced-looking mechanism for this oh, society. Yeah. That, no, that Steve, you got You got This is this is the best part. You got you got to put in the pause there because that is the thing that killed me. This is a very advanced looking mechanism for this society <laughs> we haven't analyzed it but it looks like it would be advanced so hey looking. he's putting a little extra spin on the dialogue yep yep because it's stupid dialogue. because the man is a professional that's why <laughs> yep so they put her in the cage next to the next to mall yes the mo- the space monster but is his name mall or mole or I, I darth never... mall mole mall as in you're going to get mauled by the space monster maybe i was thinking like carlos the mall <laughs> carlos the mall it's sort of like that <laughs> we never see him run though this so. leads to a weird scene where they just sort of sit there and smile while sound effects play and it goes on <laughs> for a long time they love smiling and looking yeah it's and then, and, and and then the, of course the mall yeah. is very angry the space monster and it reaches out with her with uh, well they didn't put her close with, enough with, with her with her right so with his claws apparently his claws are quite soft because it does no damage he's right. just yeah. sort of softly pawing gently pawing her maybe he, he's not so bad maybe well she eventually falls asleep she's comfortable <laughs> she's yes, re- that's right. relaxed actually this is quite this is quite soothing. soothing thank you massage of the mall's claws it's it's kong and fey ray it's you know yeah. he, he likes her again though i should say the space monster suit is far better than it needs to be for this film it is i i wondered yes. if it was from something else because it is a pretty good uh, monster outfit I think he he's kind of cre- weird and creepy and uh, spooky. It's uh, it's from a very uh, high end Boca Raton theater club. I think that uh, the dinner theater. They have the sense not to show it too much; just yeah. quick close up and then whoop, yeah. get away. Right, and then smartly when you see him later, it's uh, obscured by smoke as well. So right, yeah. some some competence in the, in the filming of this movie. In- indeed, there's there's some there. This this yeah, there's some there. They had an idea of what they were uh, trying to do. You know, I mentioned the dialogue recorded later, but. People do a pretty good job of matching it up with the lips. Mm-hmm. I've seen way worse. Um, I've seen way worse. High praise for Frankenstein meets the space monster. <laughs> that that was Vincent Canby's pull quote. So. <laughs> this is where um, we get the uh, alert to the army that something is going on in Puerto Rico. There's a report of unusual civilians to which uh, somebody says it's probably Castro and that bunch, which is strange 
topical references. But this, Steve, is where we get the, the point that, but General, you don't understand. It's Code 24, General. Code 24. Oh, yeah. And so he's sitting there reading the paper. He's so and he gets relaxed this phone call. and happy looking and, in that hotel and room. The whole time, I just, I mean, I went into riff tracks mode where I'm just going, you know, Oh man, that Andy Cap beating his wife again. What an adorable yeah. little, you know. And and then as as he's having the phone call, it's like, "Come on, get it over with. I want to get back to my paper. I'm reading the right. funnies." But he doesn't but take no. it serious until he finds and, out you know, it's code and then 24. And it's code 24. But then once he understands it's serious, he sends out all the stock footage the army has. That's, right. well, prop that's what code 24 means. To fighter jets. Every Piper Cub that's available needs to be scrambled immediately. Code 24 means five or more minutes of B-roll. Helicopters that are clearly in Vietnam. Get them over here. Yep. The, the, pro, the prop link, it just cracked me up because they kept cutting back to it. it yeah, was even after they'd shown us the fighter jet. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. best part of that prop plane footage is is where we get a shot from the prop plane and we hear, nothing interesting down there. Nope. Yeah. They <laughs> <laughs> just plants down. Eh, it just looks like some trees. I'm going home. Uh, well, it's you know, the army is mad now. They've sent an airplane, so watch out. Um, also, I, I have at this point, I have to ask, why does Karen have the remote if then um, Adam has to, like, grab, hold Frank's hand and lead him along to take him somewhere? I don't know why you wouldn't leave the remote control with the, the robot. I think a better question science. is, why does Karen have the remote, period? He seems to work pretty well on yeah. his own. <laughs> <Without a remote laughs> no, he doesn't. He keeps killing people. It's actually, you know, as it's jostling around in her purse, it's it, bumping into the different switches, and that's what's making him oh, go kill and people. the kill button. It's wow. all because it's of her purse. Accidental oh, here's your problem. The kill button in the back of Frank was set to on in the accident. Yep. That I'm is. now starting to question whether he's really a robot. Uh, with a remote control, can you be a robot? You're really just a, you know... Well, it's just an emergency it's just like an RC override. Card. It's an R override. No, he's designed to work on his own, but in certain cases, like when he's not uh, piloting a rocket, so when he's in a press conference or uh, on a beach, then you need to take over okay. manual control of him. That's why. That's why we see that uh, that remote so frequently during this film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nadir is going to look for other Earth devices in Karen's satchel. Who knows what he will come up with? <laughs> that was that was redacted for the time. Other Earth devices, advanced looking devices. Yes, indeed. It just makes a buzzing noise. I don't understand. <laughs> yep. Adam Steele goes to get General Bowers. He picks up the scooter, which is right there. And you know what? The surf guitar comes back whenever you ride the sur- scooter. So that is uh, that is funny. We also get for a movie hundred percent accurate, by the way. For a, yeah, for a movie that involves uh, Puerto Rico, there's very little Spanish. But here we do get El Telefono. Hello, hello, El Telefono. Yep. <laughs> uh, the comm officer, my favorite character in the movie. Absolutely. I don't know. I don't know if anyone will believe that. Can I, before we get to that guy, can I complain about the dude who didn't know what telephone meant, but did know what telephono meant? Yeah. yeah. You're not <laughs> helping. No, I think he was just... No, a, blind grace. I think he was just griefing the, uh, yeah. the, the, the guy because he wanted oh, yeah. to, to sell him a drink. Uh, it happens. The comm officer is great because... Uh, basically, Adam uh, Steele calls him and says, there's an alien spaceship. He's like, I don't think I can uh, do that. I don't think I can tell the general that. He's just like, you're, you're, you're a crazy person. He's like, no, listen here. You tell him. He's like, all right, well, I'll give it a try. And then he 
you know, he calls That's the, right, a spaceship. <laughs> he calls a plane, and the plane calls the general, and prop the general plane, says... isn't he? Is a general up in the prop no, plane? No, the, the prop plane is re, uh, relaying oh, the message relaying. to I the general see. down in his Jeep, That's right. who declares, turn this Jeep around. Turn this Jeep around. And, and more importantly, scramble all jets. I, I feel like the, the comm officer has to be one of the sops that the filmmakers made to NASA to get them to, to you know, give them NASA footage. It's like, okay, sure, we'll put one of your majors in the in the film. He seems strangely capable and does not believe that there is <laughs> a spaceship. Because that would be stupid. He's not the best actor in the film, and no. yet probably the best character in I the kinda film. I kind of love, yeah, I kind of love him. Because he's, he's basically sitting in the center of this film going, no, this is, no. <laughs> this, this film is dumb. <laughs> All right, I, I guess I'll say there's a spaceship, but I mean, really. There's no space. All right, fine. I'll, I'll read That's right, a spaceship. <laughs> That's right, a spaceship. I don't think I can relay a message like that. <laughs> there's more. There's more surf guitar at this point. As guy, various guys run out to various uh, cars uh, in order to oh yeah scramble the jets. We see sev- four cars, and a squad runs out of the building and gets into the car and it drives away. And you're thinking, surely they won't show us that forever. Nope. Here comes the next round yeah. into that car. I was Every excited car. to get a reprise of That's the Way It's Gotta Be by the Poets at this point, though. <laughs> Which actually works pretty well from when they're running out in their cars and kind of getting themselves into position. It's literally like from a documentary about uh, when the the fighter jet squadron is scrambled, they, they go out to their cars and then go to their jets. And we see it all. All the cars. <laughs> Are loaded. Um, Frank decides that he is going to. Uh, he he he's uh, surrounded by spacemen. He he tries to use a stick to beat them to death, but <laughs> it doesn't work. There are too many of them, and the robot gets knocked out somehow. Yes, he does. I'm not sure how that works. Maybe his brain pan was jostled in his. <laughs> yes, somebody <something>. needs <laughs> somebody needs to prod one of those resistors immediately. Well, the princess might have pushed a button on the thing. Later, Indeed. he takes he takes a lot of damage on his head. Later, which I thought was pretty impressive, given that he's his brain is like just right under a wig, with no. <laughs> Hard shell of any kind, but here he does get kind of like bonked, and he's oh, and, and he's out. Humidity. Uh, well, the humidity doesn't help, yeah. no, because he's still that's yeah. a that's a a bug in, in the beta test. You know, one of those little uh, silica gel packets underneath that plastic brain would have done wonders. Yeah, don't don't eat it. Couldn't they have launched him from Houston or something instead of Florida if they're that worried about uh, humidity? It's pretty, it's pretty hu- humid in Houston too. Well, you can really? you can launch yeah. from Houston, but you have to have the press conference in Florida. That's ju- that's where the four guys are that yeah, cover the space program. Okay. <laughs> that's where the press corps is. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Because the space program in the right. '60s was really not widely followed after after <laughs> drinks at the officers club you don't want the press driving back you know home a little sauced and it's true uh, there would be no coverage from that point on of any of the space program karen uh has to wake up frank here to, she's shouting at him to to get off the he's been held he's been taken captive inside the spaceship and she's still chained up next to the monster and uh she she's uh trying to get him awake while they're while a a barrage of stock planes and uh and uh, are happening outside along with the firing of rockets because why not fire rockets at the spaceship when you find a spaceship what it's not even that when somebody tells you there's a spaceship what do you do fire Fire rockets rockets at it naturally yep well hey when they fired that spaceship up at the aliens the aliens immediately blew it up yeah no this is how it worked in the 60s this is why we were in such dire geopolitical straits right. but the rockets have no effect no they're ju- they just aren't working although no. the martians feel like they need to leave immediately well we discover that nadir fears nuclear weapons yes that would destroy them that's not unusual though 
No, well, no, especially it makes coming sense. from a planet that has been leveled by atomic war. You would think that at the very least the rockets would sort of put out big like divots and it might like tip the spaceship over or something. But it, we're just told that the rockets, because we see some very small explosions happen around it. But. The spaceship is all divots to begin with. So. That's true. Are they from Mars? No, I don't think they have noticed are. a nuclear war up there. No, I don't think that, that. I think far. they Do you just happen from Mars. No, I think they they're from some distant galaxy, and it just happens oh, okay. that we're sending a guy up to Mars simultaneous to them. Oh, okay. Arriving. Interesting. Okay, good. Because I really feel like if there were a nuclear war on Mars, somebody here would notice. It seems likely that NASA might balk at that characterization of their ability to monitor uh, <laughs> Mars. Well, I can't. I can't. I can't say it's canonical in the text of this fine film, <laughs> but. I believe it was referred to in some markets uh, more specifically as Mars attacks Puerto Rico, Mars invades Puerto Rico. Um, so, you know, again, non-canonical. Yeah, mm -hmm. the title can't be trusted anyway. No, I agree. Right. The witness Frankenstein meets the space monster, although <laughs> we're about to get to the point where that sort of happens. Well, look, I know what a space monster with a space in the middle looks like, but this could very well be a space monster with the no space. Space monster, not That's a funny. space monster. There's Steve. one. The There's just space one. Monster. It's the one. Well, then that makes the end actually kind of tragic. It does. Spoilers. Uh, yeah. Also, the word "meets" is not entirely accurate. If we're going to go word by word, <laughs> there's a meeting. They meet. And Hi, they, I'm Frankenstein. And and it's not like right. they had lunch not introduced. or tea or anything. It's not a formal social introduction. They're just sort of like you. You must be the space monster. I'm Frank. <laughs> Frank. Yeah, let's talk to you later. Yeah, Frank. So Frank gets up. Um, we'll connect. They, 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 Doctor Nadir's. We must leave immediately because they're gonna. They might nuke us. But Frank gets up. He gets a gun from one of the spacemen. He frees all the women, and and this is happening just as they're um, stopping the firing of the of the rockets at the spaceship, which is convenient. Otherwise, they would kill all the women who are now fleeing from the spaceship. But, because, but Adam has stopped it because he's ridden up on his Vespa and told the general to cease That's, fire. Which is which is what you do when there are rockets coming down everywhere. Yeah. You ride your Vespa <laughs> on them. Yeah. Damn right you do. You're totally safe. They're very agile little vehicles, you know. <laughs> very tight turning radius. <laughs> so now the women can escape, but Mull, the mo space monster, is released. This I wrote in my notes is what we waited for. Finally, yes. Frankenstein meets the space monster. Frank pushes Karen out of the out of the spaceship, um, but Frank, for some reason, doesn't jump after her. Or in that moment, it's not edited well. But in that moment where he might go, he's pulled back inside by the space monster. At which point they meet. By which I mean they fight. Well, you know, Frank thinks to himself, "I I really would like to meet that space monster." Mm. And the space monster goes, hey, we haven't met yet. Come here. Yeah. Come here. <laughs> Frank the hell? Says. So we get the epic smoke obscured duel that we were promised between right. the robot and the space monster. And by duel, I mean that they, they hold each other's shoulders and rock <laughs> back and forth. Yep. And this was the time for some dance music, really. Yeah. It looks more like yeah. a gentle waltz, really, than yeah. an epic duel. Yeah. We only have one application of each of these special effects makeup, so don't touch the face. <laughs> they're fighting. It's the, you know, it's the title. They're grappling. They're grappling is what they're doing. It should be Frankenstein grapples, grapples the, space the space monster. monster. Yeah, you're right. That gives away too much, though. They're meeting really, really closely. Well, you're hardly going to grapple a guy if you haven't met him. So, so Nadir says, uh, you know, launch the rockets. Um, the rockets start to go up. Frank is still fighting the space monster. Um, and then... Uh, it, they what he blows up the ship well technically he shoots one of the guns toward the princess and nadir at which point they are 
crushed by beams. Well, well. So the ship, <laughs> we we see an explosion on the outside of the ship. Inside the ship, the cardboard roof of the set falls yes. down on them. I, I'm excited to see that crushed by beams is already a classic spaceship death in <laughs> 1965. Yep, predating Khan by, by almost two decades. Yeah, well, that's what's going to get you. It's not the airless, uh, airless vacuum of space. It's the, uh, it's, it's the those, beams. It's those damn the, beams. It's the roof beams. Yeah, yeah, ceiling well, beams. Somebody needs to really perfect the beam-free spaceship design. And, and I got to say, this was one of those points where, the I mean, I loved how the music shifted between the Doors and Beatles at Everly style, and then like the Man from Uncle's soundtrack on speed. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. <laughs> I think we can have spaceships without beams, but they will have bottomless pits without railings either. Mm. I still don't know why they brought the monster, <laughs> but there well, he was. Well, in case you meet a Frankenstein. Yeah, you got to have a monster. Well, to fight. How, are, how are you going to menace lady scientists to find out what I, their devices are I, if you don't have I a space monster? I thought the monster. monster was, I thought there was a plot hole. The monster was like caused by radiation. Maybe he was the old king or no. prince. He's just a space monster, Glenn. Come on. Oh, just they have him monster. in a cage. Yeah. Don't try to read a whole bunch of Zardoz crap into this thing. So He's the, just a space monster. So, Sometimes so, a space monster is just, just a space monster. Well, at the end of the film, he decays into a pile of bones oh, and dust. So. He kind of does. Yeah, no, he's there exclusively because if you don't have a space monster, you cannot intimidate lady scientists into giving up the secrets of their uh, advanced looking, looking devices. You don't think Dr. Nadir could do that on his own? I think he's holding himself back. I don't yeah. think he's terribly intimidating, be. to be honest. So this film could be called, uh, just called Frankenstein Space Robot. Yeah, we could. <laughs> or Smiles and Looks. <laughs> or secrets and lies. Yeah, cut out you, everything that's not Doctor Nadir. You've got a great. Movie. So it's very sad. Frank <laughs> Frank has died, but the threat from the space whatevers is over because they're dead. Apparently, question mark. Space monster has also died. So another sad thing. Yeah, indeed. Um, we don't blame him. He's a monster. It's his nature, and that's it. The end. And then we get more uh, scooter music and riding of scooters right. over the end credits. T two more it, minutes of them farting around San Juan on a scooter. And a prominent song credit, or two prominent song credits, <clears throat> yeah. which reminded me of the uh, Roxette credit in the Super Mario Brothers <laughs> that we have. Yes. The we distant have, cousins. Uh, that's the way it's got to be by the poets and to have and to hold by the distant cousins. Because mm -hmm. God knows you want to have and hold your distant cousins. Distant cousins, yeah. Hold them close. If they're Keep distant. your cousins close and your distant cousins closer. It, it is worth noting that the final scene before the last scooter scene is... James Karen and the lady scientist weeping bitterly over the state of their careers, no doubt. <laughs> you only fail upwards at NASA. They got a better job and build a bigger robot. They, yeah, they got a they, next robot. They just go back and build another robot. Giant robot. They now built they have proof robot. that there are spacemen out there, but not space women because the last one blew up in that spaceship, apparently. Th this is what led to the uh, giant uh, increase in military budgets mm. after that era. They found out they were space monsters. They needed to build bigger robots. <laughs> The natural enemy of the space monster, the robot, or Frankenstein. Nature in all its beauty evolves predators and prey. So Frankenstein meets the space monster. Yes. All what, right. what I would like to know. Let's talk about that movie. I, I would like to know the thoughts. I would There's like a radar to know, dish. know whether, because we, we watch these movies thinking that they're going to be bad, but you know, they could be different kinds of bad. They could be spookily good bad. They could be frighteningly funny. They could be uh, totally snorifying or other things like that. And I'm just kind of curious things what like everybody that. thought <laughs> of Frankenstein meets the, uh, the space monster. Let's start with Monty. I thought it was fascinating. <laughs> it's 
very reliant on stock footage, but it's stock footage that I enjoyed looking uh-huh. at. So, yes. yeah. oh. I, I, just I do not regret a minute of the 88 minutes I spent watching it or the 66 minutes I have now spent talking about it. Thumbs up. <laughs> All right. Glenn? I uh, I have to concur heartily with Monty. I was not sure what to expect. I knew you enjoyed it, so I expected it would be, you know, at least a romp. And I found it, like, it wasn't sophisticated. No, no. It wasn't sophisticated. But um, it was it was really, for all that it was, uh, it was so – it was made so weirdly and sometimes semi-amateurishly that it was fascinating to watch what people who – didn't really know how to make a movie would do when presented with the opportunity to make one. So it came across, I don't know, I think it came across as, as um, fun with lots of, you know, some moments of long drives. Um, but then also people stuffed in the back of cars. I mean, you know, there was a long drive, but there were also like five people stuck in a back seat. So that made it better. So I, I quite enjoyed this. I enjoyed this much more than I think I have any right to expect to enjoy a movie of this kind. David? I, I thought it was charmingly awful. Um yeah. I mean, it was delightful, but it was, I mean, it was terrible. Um, I've seen worse films. I, and I got to say, I like any <laughs> film. Yeah, that also from Vincent Canby. Uh, I, I, I have to say, I like any bad film that I can continuously riff through without thinking about it and without watching it a second time. It was just sort of, it was a very, very um, uh, fertile film for riffing. So I like that. Um, I can't say it was good, but but, and, but even at that, you know, there were a couple of scenes that were actually kind of not badly thought out, if not well made. Um, and and some of the stock footage was interesting. I mean, this was the first time I went out to Cocoa Beach was only about nine years later. So it was kind of interesting to see and go, hey, I do remember this. This is cool. So, you know, I was having flashbacks for the first 20 minutes. I don't know. So... Uh, so sp- spookily good bad. Okay, so Steve, uh, w- when you first watched this, you posted a thing in our in our Slack channel saying this is MST3K bad guys. So what do you think now? I stand by that. It is MST3K bad. I I, was I wish b- I wish it were. I, I wish there were a riff track. So this would be, I oh, think, yeah. a very riffable movie. Well, the problem is the problem is this, and and this is why I didn't enjoy this movie, and that is that the stock footage did nothing for me. I've seen all mm. of it before. <laughs> uh, I will say it was competently, except for maybe the Astro Van. It was competently. I've not. You're right. I've not seen the Astro Van before, but uh, it was competently woven into the narrative, which is more than I can say for a lot of uses of stock footage in bad movies. I mean, it actually like it made sense for there to be a tank at this point, or for there to be a car at this point. <laughs> which sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, mostly I was just bored by what I what I was calling modes of transportation, the musical. Um, <laughs> and here's why. Um, from 3.57 to 5.42, we get a minute and 45 seconds of driving through Orlando to a half-finished mm-hmm. Ventures track, four to a backseat. <laughs> from 11.39 to 14.30, we get two minutes and 51 seconds of a NASA stock footage montage. We do yes. get the transfer van at this point, which is nice, uh, and the strains <laughs> of that's the way it's got to be, and then more stock launch footage. Uh, from 1655 to 1739, we get 44 seconds of traveling by parachute after ejecting from the capsule. Oh, I love that parachute stuff, man. That was man. beautiful. Woo. We get a minute and 31 seconds from 3325 to 3456 of uh, traveling from the San Juan plane to the airport to the car and the slow, slow, <laughs> slow motorcade through Puerto Rico. From 3920 to 4130, we get two minutes and 10 seconds of scootering through San Juan with the distant cousins. 
which I would watch on its own. 5431, we get a minute and nine seconds of stock military vehicle footage. At 5920, we get 57 seconds of scooter riding with James Karen. There are exclamation marks at the end of all of these notes, by the way. <laughs> Uh, at 102.48, we get a minute and 22 seconds of men running out of buildings and getting into fighter jets. Then the jets <laughs> fly around for a while. <laughs> at 105.44, we get a minute and 16 seconds of choppers and tanks and stuff. At 114.04, we get more riding around on a scooter over the end credits for a grand total of 15 minutes and 47 seconds of people going from one place to another uh-huh. with some weird off, off-brand music played over the back of it. And, uh, you know... It, as much as I would like to say, I, I absolutely love Nader, and I like the songs, the, uh, the scenes he's in, although I could probably have done a similar timeline of all of the nods and smiles. <laughs> yes. But uh, when you've got roughly a quarter of your hour and 16-minute movie of, that's just pure stock footage, you, just, you don't have enough to hook me. And as much as I would like to see a riff tracks done of something like this, there's, just, there's only so many times you can say something like, it's the charge of the stock footage brigade before it gets kind of... Well, I, I was thinking you might need to write some parody lyrics to the uh, to the scooter song. Oh, that might be a way to go. To heaven to hold. Yeah, you could maybe get mileage out of that for the first appearance of that, but then you got another two minutes and ten seconds at the end where you've yep. got to reprise it. So it's it's tough. I don't know. It didn't do much for me, I got to say. Although it wasn't as bad as I imagined it could be, based on the kind of reviews that it got. Yeah, I, I this this appeared in some like worst films of all time list, and I just don't see that. I yeah, no. I, I feel like we've seen worse films. We've seen worse films in the rocket surgery series. Oh, yeah, it's true. Yes, I mean this this is head and shoulders above um, Super Mario Brothers. This is at least vaguely coherent. You're gonna make that guy on the internet who loves Super Mario Brothers very angry now. Plumbers. I, I don't know if I would say it's coherent, <laughs> but I, I'm actually gonna go with David and say this is uh, spookily good bad. I I'm not so. Somebody like Monty, who I think takes uh, extra special glee in things that are bad <laughs> and, and, and wondering why, you know, I, I, I need I, I just I, I need a little bit more. And yet this this hit the right spot in the sense that it's got the music and it's I could I could laugh at the lengthy. I see. I enjoyed the lengthy stock footage things and the lengthy, lengthy scooter rides just because it's it was so silly. And the and the butt party is, is hilarious. <laughs> okay, the butt party's great. I will and, grant and, you and the butt party. And you've nobody's got criticizing the butt party. <laughs> no, no, I, I hope not. Uh, so I, yeah, I would say I, I I was entertained by it for all of its whatever eighty eight minutes of it, but the 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 stock footage I was I enjoyed playing find the stock footage right, which is a really <laughs> easy game to play in this movie. But it was fun. It was like, what will the next batch of stock footage be? Um, uh, the butt true. party actually almost has the character of stock footage at certain points, yeah. like yeah. Like, yeah. The scene of somebody's mom walking around with a cup on her head. That seems like that could have been pre-filmed. Yeah. For just a couple of those close-ups of dancing. Well, it's like that car at the beginning of the movie, probably shot for the movie, but could just as well be stock footage. <laughs> yep. It showed up throughout. We saw that car. I had one car for the film. Yeah, yeah. probably so. I looked at the uh, credits. I was interested. So Karen, uh, th- this, these are the kind of people who you cast in Frankenstein Meets the Space Monster. Ka- Karen had a very brief career uh, playing uh, characters with names like Pool Jumper and Second Woman. Nice. <laughs> Meanwhile, though, though Marilyn Hanold, who who was the princess, was in a couple of episodes of the Batman TV series. I can see that. She, she was in an In Like Flint as Amazon number eight. She was basically the, the one of the, she was a a uh, sort of a stock 
uh, pretty woman in uh, small parts for a lot oh, of other. Oh wait, was she uh, was she movies. the brain? Was she the woman in the brain that wouldn't die? Who was the brain that wouldn't die? The yeah, woman that the she, cutoff head. She is in the brain that wouldn't die. Oh, yeah. she's really? not the cutoff head. Not yeah. Jan in the pan. I don't oh, think. Sorry. So uh, yeah. She she uh, was in some other stuff, but anyway, I but anyway I enjoyed it because I was I was dreading the kind. This is what I've learned from listening to the Flop House. Is it turns out that bad movies aren't the worst thing to watch. Boring movies are the worst thing to watch. And I wasn't I wasn't because of the music and the '60s. It, it is such a '60s movie. It, it is so well. It's okay. It's such a bits copied from lots of other 60s movies and stock footage um that i i i was never particular uh, particularly bored or too bored anyway and uh and i laughed a lot at how ridiculous it was so um you know i mean it has I'm more gonna... to it than something like monster a gogo or uh... oh well come on dude well and it's more and it's because its plot is it's fairly linear and 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 yeah. he's not a frankenstein he's a robot but still it's it's going to do better than you know your your baffling zardoz plots or frankenstein island or something like that where it just makes no sense at all this is the frankenstein island much worse movie with frankenstein in the title i recommend it they actually managed to make a movie from this which is pretty impressive <laughs> One more thing on Dr. Nadir. Yep. He's Amazing Larry in uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Mm-hmm. He has some some interesting credits. Oh, yeah. He's got great facial page. expressions. He's really good. Yeah. He's in like 90 things. And he's he, what he does, he's the guy who does that thing he does very well. Yeah. He looks the, just like uh, – who's the insult? He's the guy who does that thing he does very well. Yeah. You know, the thing he does. Someday I hope to have that on my tombstone. He's the kind of guy that did more than one role on Barney Miller. I will say I did like it better on the on the rewatch than I did the first time. I think the the I, I was able to let the stock footage just wash over. That's me the way to do it. That's, you got to do that. Yeah, don't fight it. And and, and when when the, it starts to flag, you just think there's a butt party coming up. It's butt butt parties on the way, man. As long as I know the butt party is just over the horizon, I'm okay with all of this. Yeah, the butt party's coming. The butt party's coming. Hold on. Butt party coming. Coming through. Butt party coming wow. through. All right. Well. Uh, we we have we have survived the 1960s with rocket surgery. I, do we dare go to the 50s? I guess we have to do that, don't we? Uh, we kind of have to. Why? I don't know. Because there, <laughs> there have got to be terrible terrible sci-fi movies made in the 50s, right? I guess we wow. could have asked why a couple of episodes ago. All right. Well, until we meet again to be stupid people who watch a bad movie <laughs> and then talk about it. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests for joining me for another uh, edition of the Incomparables Rocket Surgery. David Lohr, thank you. Thank you. And and to quote the 13-year-old, why are you watching this? <laughs> there's there's no good reason. Glenn Fleischman, thank you very much. Thank you. I'll always remember the Spachemonster. I don't even know what any of that means. <laughs> Spachemonster is one of the less known... Uh. Uh, houses of Houses of Parliament. Monty Ashley, thank you. You know, Jason, ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to be an astro-robot. <laughs> well, keep dreaming that dream. <laughs> and uh, and Steve Lutz. Ah, uh, Jason, I was going to say, on the contrary, I am actually a stupid person in between episodes, so I don't just save it for these rocket surgeries. You, you are an example to us all. Code 24! Code 24! <laughs> Scramble the stupid people! And for the incomparable, <laughs> I have been Jason Snell. We did it, everyone! We did it! We proved <laughs> that podcasts can accomplish the impossible. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>